fucking deep. I like it. Put it in deep. That's right, the words you've been waiting to hear since last Wednesday. The Pucks in Deep podcast is back. It's a playoff edition. It's episode 29. And we're here in my basement, Josh Coleman at Coleman42. At PuckPod on Twitter and across the bar is my main man, Adam Lesko. At Lesko, Adam. Find us on Twitter. Give us some shit. Give us some predictions. Give us whatever you want. But we got a good episode in store for you guys uh, this evening. It's it's the first night of the playoffs, Lesko. It is opening night for the playoffs. And for me, it's got to be the most exciting day of the year. Other than tomorrow. Well, but tomorrow's sure. like nervous excitement. Yeah, though. T- yeah, you're right. Tonight is just like I'm totally excited. I'm gonna be sitting on the couch over there. We're gonna wrap up this fucking pod quickly. I'm gonna be over there at 7:06 at the latest, watching the opening puck drop. I don't even know which game is on at seven o'clock. I think it's Tampa Columbus. Starts yeah, at seven. I wanted to tune into that one. Definitely get a glimpse of Tampa and see if see if Columbus can ruffle their feathers a little bit. You know, they're a bit of a heavier hockey team and just kind of a clash of two different styles and you know they're pretty deep too and they they really put together a decent stretch to get themselves in there so yeah and i mean it goes right through to the end of the night we've got a late game on this evening as well 10 30 start is that vegas san jose we'll have to get the schedule up in a moment here but we'll run you guys through the opening series um a little bit of a different pod uh, obviously with respect to uh to the playoff preview edition uh we'll start off with uh regular notes and uh Maybe uh, give you guys a little update on, on my appearance down in uh, Toronto on Sirius XM. That went well. It was a lot of fun. Basically a regular down there now. Yeah. And Recurring character, yeah, friend of the show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so in our first segment, we'll get some news and notes out of the way. We'll get the seven matchups, uh, Boston-Toronto excluded. And then uh, we'll, uh, I don't think we're going to do a break tonight. We'll just go straight through. Straight through. And then we'll give a, a nice, solid, in-depth look at the Boston uh, Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs uh Eastern Conference Atlantic Division matchup coming up starting tomorrow night. Where do you want to go first? Let's go. Well, fire it up. I want to hear what happened uh, on on Monday. Was it? You yeah, were down Toronto. Yeah, it was on Monday, uh, and it was fantastic. Um, like I said, it was it was a lot of fun to 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 go back right and and have uh, you know sit sit in the same spot. I, technically, it wasn't actually in the same spot uh, as it was before, but um, it was it was a lot of fun. I uh, I drafted. Um, I drafted third out of six guys, and 
I, I made the decision to keep the Tampa train rolling when it came to my turn. It was Kucherov off the board first, Stamkos second. I feel like those are home run picks. Third was a little bit of an interesting one. I had to de- I had to decide at three whether I wanted to, like I said, keep the tra- Tampa train rolling and get a piece or you know go somewhere else for their top line player. And it's really hard to ignore uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and what they can do. So I decided to snag up uh, point. I got Braden point. So I got a nice piece of the puzzle there. On the back end of the snake, I got headman because we had to take two defensemen and a pair of goalies as well. So I'll back up the snake. I got headman. Um, and then that was it. So my only two Tampa players are point and headman, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Other than that, I kind of went pairs from everybody. I went Tampa. Two from Washington. I got Kuznetsov. You heard that highlight off the top. Um, exciting run last year in the playoffs. Probably should have been Conn Smythe winner, uh, to be honest with you. But it was it was fitting, I guess, to give it to Ovechkin. It was hard not to. It was hard not to. But man, Kuznetsov. He had definitely deserved it. Phenomenal that's for sure. Phenomenal postseason. So it was a lot of fun. I I kind of spread my picks around. I like doing that though. Uh, I I don't think it's a recipe for winning a playoff pool, but it's definitely a recipe for enjoying the first round more than anybody yeah because i've got a couple players from a bunch of teams i got some blues i got some flames i even have a dallas star in there but we had to pick a wild card we had to pick Mm -hmm. one player from a wild card team and dallas ended up being everyone's choice because if you can spread yourself out over four teams as well and those say those four teams end up making the conference finals oh you win still got a good shot yeah absolutely instead of having all loaded up on one team and they lose in the conference finals, right? That's so. right. You're going to be in first place up until the conference finals. Hopefully you've you've built a, a big enough lead in the standings to not have any players in the final. But I've seen that come down to it too, right? The guy in first place has nobody in the final and the guy in second place is 16 points behind, but he has three yeah, players. Three guys left, yeah. Yeah, and maybe they're not top line players. Maybe they're second liners, but that was his his uh, strategy, right? Was like you said, to try and load up on maybe four good squads. Mm-hmm. Pick your four conference fi- or conference final teams and, and go from there. So like I said, at the end of the show, they asked us to, <laughs> they asked us all if we liked our team. And uh, Boomer went to me first, and he's like, "Josh, what do you like? Do you like your team?" I go, "No, but I'm gonna have I'm <laughs> gonna have a hell of a first round." <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Another guy in the pool actually kind of did the same thing as me. His first seven picks were from different teams. Oh wow, isn't that strange? Yeah. In a six guy pool, in this playoffs, six guys choosing twice per round, and his seventh pick or his eighth pick was the first time he went back to the same okay. team so i didn't feel quite as like i don't want to say stupid because it's not like i did anything dumb but I, I i definitely had a weird strategy going in and i don't think it was great but i boomer was talking to me after even he said like it was good for radio like it were was there, good good for radio to have different teams coming out yeah were there some chirps going around the table too well, during the draft there yeah. was not 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 so much on the air because on the air it's more of a recap right you're just running through everything yeah we just did our draft in the boardroom took us 30 minutes and now we're going to spend the next hour breaks included going through the lineups and maybe answering a couple right. questions so most important question, did you plug the Pucks and Deep podcast on you know, the air? I didn't. And I I really battled with it because they don't plug anything. And oh, I no. and I know that for, the only thing that they plug, of course, is their own stuff. Right. Listen later on this yeah, afternoon yeah. we're gonna have Adam Lesko on. I guess because they have no advertising really. It's that's, all that's subscriber right. revenue. So one of their guys, uh Nick Alberga, 
you might be familiar with him, the listeners. He does a lot of work, uh, fantasy hockey related work for Sportsnet, and he never plugs it. I don't like know. They if, don't say like Nick I don't know Alberta if they're like from, not a, yeah from Sportsnet, but he's not from Sportsnet. He's from Sirius, right? Okay. He he has a secondary gig with Sportsnet where he writes fantasy news. So where do they say you're from? You're just ch- you're just chump off the street. Well, when <laughs> what I loved the most about it was when Boomer was teeing up the show. He said, uh, "Here are the contestants involved: Jake, Tyler, Nick, myself." Um, and then Josh, our favorite listener, and then he catches himself and he goes, you know what? No, no, he's not our favorite listener. You all are our favorite listeners. I told him after the show, I said, you know, you can't take that back. (laughs) Called me the favorite on the air. So, but yeah, I battled with plug in the pod because like, so it ended up being boomer mentioned something to Nick about the fantasy work that he does. Right. And Nick was Nick openly said on the show, and you can hear it if you're if you're tuning in on on demand on the SiriusXM app on your phone. Um, he was like, "You know what, Boom? Thanks for the thanks for the plug. I really appreciate that." So <laughs> I, I kind of got the sense that it was like a little faux pas to right. to mention anything about it. I did have an opportunity maybe during the commercial breaks to say, "Hey, Booms, can you can you plug Do my me pod? A solid Do here. me a solid." <laughs> but I don't know. I just stayed. I just stayed the course. All so. right. Well, we'll find out and see how you do. You did pretty good in their season pool as well. I ended well. up finishing second. Yeah, yeah which is pretty good. Yeah. Good enough for them to call you back up and have you in for the playoff pool. So Yeah, and like we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the pod, they called me back, you know, before the season even ended. So yeah. that was a nice uh, I thought that was a nice feather in my cap and hey, if Eric Carlson plays tw- the last 20 games of the season, I think I get 5 points. Yeah, perhaps. And win. So <laughs> it was a good time. Really really good time. Looking forward to uh maybe uh, maybe maybe being able to do it again sometime. Right on. Well, you want to get balls deep in some playoffs here? Yeah, let's do it. I saw you had some. I saw you had some notes. Was there anything that you know? Well, do you want to fire over these notes here first? Yeah. And then did you we'll want to get in some playoffs? Did you want to go through some of the sure. more noteworthy things? I know there was uh, some, sure. some coaches that were canned on Black Sunday. Yeah, there was some uh, some big news there. I guess uh, starting off, we'll go with the coaches. Um, pretty much as soon as the season com- or, uh, ended up, uh, we had Sabers fi- firing Phil Housley, which came as no surprise i'm gonna say to anybody uh another abysmal season for them um outside of the first month i guess it was all downhill from there uh allegedly they are in tight competition right now with la over todd mcclellan former oilers and sharks coach so do you think that has anything to do with the draft lottery like did you think that maybe now I guess I guess my my question is kind of already answered. What do you think McClellan was waiting? Was waiting. Yeah. yeah, that that could be very well part of it. And the other thing I'm hearing is just there's a bit of a, a bidding war going on for his services. So if you're him, you're going to sit back and drive the drive the price up, especially after you saw the money that Q and Babs and everybody's getting these days. Right. Of course. Uh, it's all it's all big money. Coaches are getting paid nowadays. Um, so yeah, um, on top of L.A., Willie Dijardin will not be returning next year. Uh, so Florida replaced uh, Bugner, Bob Bugner, with uh, Coach Q, uh, Joel Quenville, and um, that's a obvious no-brainer. Judd- Re- reuniting the Dale Talent and yeah, Joel the, Quenville that connection for sure. I'm sure that was uh, a bit of a deciding factor for Quenville. I mean, he has to buy into what they're selling de- there down in Florida, and you know, we we've talked about them a little bit throughout the season as a team that seems to be. Um, they're not lacking in talent, that's no. for sure. Yeah. They might be lacking in some structure and perhaps some goaltending. So uh, interesting choice for him. And, uh, you know, it's big, big contract there. So he'll have lots of time to 
to bring his systems and bring that structure that Florida might need to be successful. Did you hear the presser at all? No, I didn't catch it. Man, so I was on the road, so I I was able to, you know, listen intently while I was driving three hours uh, on the weekend. And I I loved his presser. Like, normally I kind of tune out a little bit. You know, it's long. They'll play a presser for like six or seven minutes. But it was so interesting to me, and the part I loved the most about it was at one point in the presser, he spoke directly to the players. Like, I wasn't watching it, so I couldn't see his facial expressions, which, which may have made it even better. But he was, like, you could tell he leaned into the mic. He was His voice was getting more clear and, and closer. And he says to the players, and I'm just paraphrasing here, be excited. Wherever you, he said, wherever you are right now, if you're listening, or when you're listening later, remember where you are today. Because next year, at this time, it was Monday that they had him on. They said, next year, at this time, we will be stepping off the ice after our first practice in preparation for the first round of the playoffs. So remember where you are so that you can compare these feelings that you feel today with your season being over to what you're going to feel next year when we're playing exciting, meaningful hockey in April. I, I love that. Was that was really too. awesome. That's yeah. very bold and pumped me up. But, as a but again, like like we said, Florida's not that far off from from getting in there. And you look at the parity in the NHL these days; it's not that far fetched. Um, a lot of people pick them to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, like we said, unfortunate goaltending situation, injuries to Luongo, probably the reasons why that didn't actually happen. Uh, one other or two other notes, I guess I wanted to go over was, uh, how many players hit the uh, 100 point mark? Um, I, I kind of dug into this a little bit when I was seeing how many guys were doing it. Cause I said, I can't recall like when we've seen this many guys get hundred plus points. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Jamie Ben was winning the scoring race with under 46 points. points. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a much smaller margin. So obviously yeah. goals are up, productions up, scoring chances are up. I think a lot of that can be attributed to the rule changes uh, that we're seeing and less obstruction, all that kind of shit. But the uh, five players that hit the mark or sorry. Yeah. Five players that hit the mark this year. Um, Kutrov, McDavid, Kane, Marshan, and Dreisaitl. Um, very impressive seasons for those guys all around the board. Um, I guess this is the first time it's happened since uh, 06, and that was Crosby, Thornton, LeCavalier, Heatley, St. Louis, Hosa, and Joe Sackick. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Joe Sackick. Yo, yeah, wow. I know. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And just, that is cool. We got some Hall of Fame material there as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit surprising, but not not. Con- considering how much scoring had slowed down in in between those years. I mean, that 06, like that's 13 years ago now. So a a long time since we've seen that. And it seemed we have kind of gotten to the point where we're used to seeing maybe a guy hit 100 and it being a really big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal for many years. Yeah. Oh, can you get to 100? Can you get to 100? I mean, now it's like, you know, you've got some superstar players that you're almost expecting that of them now. And you're well over a point point per game at that point as well. So uh, the other thing I wanted to shout out was Nikita Kucherov, um, 126 points. Was that what he ended up with? Because I don't know if I updated that total. Um, but that's the once he hit that point or that number, uh, he became the highest season total in the cap era, and that was passing Big Joe Thornton, who set that back in 05-06. And he also broke the scoring record for Russian players in a season. So hats off to Kucherov. You got to think that 
based on that and his complete body of work that he's a shoe in for the Hart Trophy this year. Um, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. And I think he's got his eyes on another trophy as well. 128 points. There you go. Finish to- 128. Yeah. Thank you Total. for saving me on that. 41 and 87 goals to assists. And how about this stat too, Lesko, which I'm interested in. 62 pims. 62 penalties. That's a lot more than Pen- I, well, penalty minutes. A lot more than I expected. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, cut that down and say he got 31 he got 31 minor penalties. Maybe he got a double minor for high stick and I don't know. But so give him 31 penalties on the year. I don't think that you would have necessarily expected that out of a guy that gets 128 points. But imagine if he wasn't sitting in the box yeah. for 62 of those minutes this well, year. Well, and if you're uh, in a fantasy league that counts Pims, then, you you know, he's just destroying the yeah, league then. That's a good point. That's a really good point. He's a phenomenal fantasy player. I mean, he's a phenomenal player no matter which way you slice the pie. So one other thing I wanted to cover is we got to give Ottawa a break since we've been just giving them the boot pretty much all season long. Last night at the draft lottery, Ottawa finally caught their break. Finally caught their break. I wouldn't call it a win, though. It is The only reason why it's not a win is because if they didn't trade for Duchesne, they could have had both of their picks. It's a relief. Because they're like, well, well, there's no regrets in keeping Brady Kachuk versus the fourth overall pick this year. Okay, fine. But you could have both. But you could have had both. Yeah, you could have had both. No, it's not a win. I had a buddy of mine uh, text me literally the moment that the draft was completed, or or maybe not completed, just when they found out, obviously, that Colorado wasn't getting the pick, which was early, because Colorado got chosen out of the envelope pile quite early. Right. They didn't even get down to the end. Um, You know, he said, big win. He sent me a big, long novel of a message. (laughs) I said, I just responded. I I said, it's not a win. It's a relief. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a huge relief for fans. It means means more to them than anything else after getting beat down all season long. So congratulations. Go into the summer with some positive news and uh, start... Start following them Belleville Sens and studying up on prospects because uh, I know that's what I did when the Leafs were in the dumps. I spent a lot of time following the Marlies and the prospects and the up-and-comers because that's all you really have to be excited about at that point. So so one last thing before we move forward to the playoffs, um, going just slightly backwards in terms of the coaching uh, firings that we had, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on Scott Gordon and the Philadelphia Flyers and how it's been deemed by uh, Chuck Fletcher that they're going to take some time and assess what, what are they assessing? And is this fair to Scott Gordon to leave this guy hanging well past black Sunday, black Monday, whatever you want to call it, which Mm -hmm. is usually the day where all the firings come down. I feel like it was the flyers duty and responsibility to, inform Scott Gordon of what their what their plan was going to be moving forward because I feel like if I'm Scott Gordon right now I'm not anticipating a return to the Philadelphia Flyers and I don't know if it's very fair that they leave him you know go on into the offseason I think what it tells me is that they still haven't figured out what direction they're they're going with this team Um, whether it's a you know a partial shift of personnel or if they're you know making a teardown and five-year plan um, like we said, Philadelphia is kind of a team that underachieved, I think. So there's a lot of intriguing young pieces there. So they have a they have some tough decisions here to make. 
And I think they want to do their exit interviews, you know, do a top to bottom assessment. That's what happens when you bring in a new GM and especially a guy like guy like Fletcher, who had been with another organization for several years. Uh, he's still trying to, to get the ins and outs and get to know uh, what the what the plan here is, what the score is and what they've got in the system. So I think once they figure out the direction of the team, that will be when they make a decision on whether or not they're going to retain him or they're going to hit the open market for coaches. Now, in saying that, it also places them at a slight disadvantage because here we are, uh, the season ends, the clock strikes midnight, and guys are getting signed, guys are getting fired, so there's a lot of moving and shaking happening. Right. So you you could be missing out on some of these high-quality dudes. True. Right? And, Very true. And, you know, they might not have been in the running, say, for a couple of these guys, and, and it led to this decision. So there's not a lot... I can say without speculating too much, but that might be the impression I'd get based on their current situation. Yeah, I see. Because, I mean, for me, it's, you know, they had 51 games, 51 games coached by Scott Gordon from December 17th, 2018 until the end of the regular season. Um, you know, his record was 25 and 22 in that time. Um, I guess the the call-up of Carter Hart uh, occurred, what, maybe uh, early in the new year, I want to say. January, late December, it was right around the turn of the the calendar year, Um, you know, and that kind of almost saved the season. I mean, they made a, they made quite a run uh, towards the end of the season for playoffs, ultimately falling short, of course, but I just, I don't know, 51 games, like what's there to do? I I like your point about exit interviews. Um, You might find out a little bit more about the coach and how things run within the room after you speak to the players, the captains, the assistant captains, the veterans, even the rookies. Well, and there's some guys like who, with like Claude Drew, um, you know, JVR might be another one, uh, or a check, especially the guys who've been there a long time who have a lot of influence and say, I think on this team. And when you got a kind of an old school GM as well, they, they really want to integrate uh, some of the guys in the room, the veteran guys and make sure that they're keeping them happy. All right. Well, what do you want to do? You want to get ready right into some playoffs then? Yeah. What right, do we do got? It. Line it up. Let's do it. So we'll talk about, we'll, we'll do the Eastern Conference first. We're going to skip over the Bruins and the Leafs, uh, folks, and uh, you can we'll yell about that later. Yeah, you can tune in uh, for the second uh, half of the episode to hear, but we'll, we'll attack the other seven series. Uh, we're not going to spend too, too much time on them. Um, just let you know how the season series went between the two teams that are facing off and basically what we... Uh, what we feel. I don't even really know. I haven't even filled up my bracket yet. It no, I haven't filled hour. one out either. And I've, I, I'm not huge on predictions. It's more of a for fun type yeah, thing. Yeah, me neither. Just to be like, ha I said, I called it. Yeah. I called it in six. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever. exactly. So, like, all right. So we'll start off with the, uh, the number one series here on everyone's mind. Uh, Tampa number one in the regular season, absolutely historical, uh, record setting regular season. Uh, they're number one in the Atlantic Conference uh, or Atlantic Division, Eastern Conference, and the NHL, uh, facing off against the wild card number two position, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, um, Tampa Bay leads the season series three to nothing over the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, um, you know, you, you can tip your hand uh, towards Tampa that way if you'd like. Um, I tend not to put a whole lot of. Um, you know, I, I tend not to put all my eggs in the basket of the season series. Let's go because it is the season. I mean, it's a new season. Mm-hmm. The playoffs are a brand new season. However, if you've got something, you know, very one sided on one side, then it's kind of hard to ignore, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, three nothing series lead for Tampa. They crushed them eight two in their first game, four nothing in the second game, and then five one in the final game. So that is a little bit of a hairy situation for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Very lopsided. Now, of course, those uh, victories for Tampa came 
Um, well, two of the three came before the trade deadline when, of course, Columbus made all their major acquisitions, um, you know, acquiring uh, Matt Duchesne and others. So how do you feel this? Uh, do, do you have any hopes for Columbus to uh, maybe upset a Tampa Bay Lightning squad or no? I don't see them putting an upset on the board, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a two spot, you know, a couple W's. Yeah. Um, they're a bit of a wild card, you know, and, and a lot of think their success or um, lack thereof could hinge on the play of Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a team that you look at them, they could make noise, but it, they're up against the juggernaut. And I know we don't put too much stock into the season or who won the president's trophy and seldom does the best team win. But in this situation with Tampa, you gotta you gotta stick with them, right? I I agree. Um, I do think that I think that Columbus deserves only slightly more respect than they are getting. I don't think that they you know deserve to be selected as an upset in people's brackets. I think if you were to pull fifty out of fifty knowledgeable hockey fans, you're gonna get forty seven of them that choose Tampa, mm-hmm. and the other three are literally just hoping for that upset. And hey, if this upset happens, I'm going to beat everybody in my brackets, in my fantasy pools, whatever the case may be. Yeah, or place a few bucks on that. I'm sure you'd get wicked odds. Yeah, you you absolutely <laughs> would. So um, I think we're both on board for a Tampa Bay victory. Are, are you interested in uh, calling the amount of games on the series? No you more know? than six. No more than six. I think that's fair. Um, I would I would probably go on record and say Tampa Bay in five games. Um, that series begins tonight at seven o'clock. You can catch it on Sportsnet 360. I also pulled up the uh, play-by-play um, duties for the NBC network. Oh, yeah. Because with my – and I'm sure a lot of you listeners have the same thing. I've got the NHL whatever through Rogers on my phone. So you can choose what broadcast you watch, which I fucking love. So on uh, for this series – it is on Sportsnet 360, and I'm not even sure who's doing it. I don't really care because on the NBC side, you've got John Forslund doing the play-by-play with Pierre Maguire, of course, on the color. So this series just went from being one of my one of my least interesting series in terms of like, well, I think Tampa's going to roll them, so I don't know how super interested I am. Now they've got. Arguably my favorite play-by-play guy and John Forslund. You guys might be familiar with him doing Calgary or Calgary, Carolina Hurricanes games. He's the hey, hey, what do you say, Eric Stahl uh, back in the day. So he's doing national uh, feed for NBC with Pierre, who's definitely my favorite color guy out in the league. So um, I'm really excited about that. A couple other interesting ones to point out. Uh, Chris Cuthbert, as I'm sure a lot of you are uh, fond of, former T, well, you know, still TSN regional broadcaster. Uh, he's on call for the Dallas Nashville series with Joe Micheletti, f- uh, fantastic color guy. Our series on NBC gets Doc Emmerich with Mike Milbury and Brian Boucher. I like all those guys except for Milbury. He's a bit of a Brian Burke. Uh, and then we've got uh, Gord Miller and Ray Ferraro. On the NBC feed for Colorado and Calgary. Oh, nice. Yeah, so pretty Excellent. pretty sweet one there. So I'm yeah. really excited. This is my favorite time of year for that reason because you get you get really good pairs, broadcasters with color commentators on the national feeds. And I just, I've said it before, I'll say it again, NBC really does it right. 
Well, they got uh, they got the whole TSN crew pretty much working for them uh, yeah, throughout the season, and true. obviously pulling some heavy shifts throughout the playoffs. But uh, who do we got next here for series? All right, so next on the list, uh, we'll we'll do uh, Washington and Carolina. So uh, Washington wins the season series against the Carolina Hurricanes by a score of four to zero, six five, three one, four one, and three two. So some interesting games there between the. Caps and the Hurricanes, obviously longtime divisional foes, have played many, many times. Um, I don't know if they've ever met up in the Stanley Cup playoffs, to be honest with you. That's not history that I'm privy not to. recently, anyway. Uh, but I think this series has got a lot of interest to it, man. Um, I just feel like Carolina's riding this underdog uh, train all the way to Gravy Town. I mean, they will take the underdog status, even though pretty much... Every year at this time, let's go. You've got the coaches going to their interviews and and their media scrums, and they're always trying to find a way to say that the other team is the favorite. Yeah, all the, oh, the pressure's all on Lesko. <laughs> you know, even though Coleman's eighty-two and zero, the pressure's on Lesko somehow to beat Coleman. Like, no, it's not. It's not David versus Goliath. We all know who's the favorite here. It's definitely the Capitals. Do you sense any pushback from the Carolina Hurricanes? I feel like there could be an opportunity for Carolina to upset the Capitals should they receive the goaltending that they have been as of late. I'm interested to see how they perform. I, I got to give the nod to Washington without a doubt, just based on what they did last year experience, pretty much every category. But Carolina is a lot like the Leafs of three years ago. They made it in the playoffs for the first time in a decade, and they're all fired up. They were, they're riding a wicked high. Uh, I think second half of the season, they were one of the NHL's best teams. Um, there's lots to like about them, but... They're just going to run into a far superior team, similar to what the Leafs did three years ago when they met Washington in the first round of the playoffs. Really good point, yep. So I I, I want to see how they respond. I want to see how they play and if they can give them a scare. Um, I'm interested as to why I see so many people picking this as the prime upset. Um, You know, there might be good bet nods for that, but I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be predicting it in that manner either. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not running out making bets just because the odds are in your favor. Right, right. I mean, that's a good way to lose all your money. That's why odds are odds, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I, don't get me wrong. I fucking love a good, exciting upset in a series. And in games where I have no stock in it, I'm traditionally cheering for the underdog anyway. So I won't complain if Carolina finds a way. But I'm just very interested to see how it goes. Like how many games they win I think is going to be important – to give us an idea of how far this team has come or if it's just fairy dust in the regular season. So um, Washington uh, ultimately comes out on top, I would say. Um, I, I think in this one, I'd be willing to give, I'd be willing to give the Carolina Hurricanes maybe all of their home victories, man. Like maybe this puppy goes seven. I mean, if we know the Caps, we know that they they love to make a series interesting as fuck like yeah. like winning and losing all those overtime games against columbus last year on their yeah. way to the stanley cup i mean or they could have been fucking swept in the first round even going back to the series with the leafs the uh, all it was our three or four overtime games yes and they two of which they lost I mean, exactly crazy. so i mean like they like to make it interesting and if there's a team that can make it interesting for them it's definitely carolina with like you said the storm surge the riding the hot goaltending you know riding their superstar player sebastian ajo leading the way I mean, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to this series a lot. I love to see new teams make it. And for those 10 years, let's go, where we didn't have the Leafs in the playoffs and I had no rooting interest, we've talked about this before. Obviously, I want the Leafs in. But when they're not in, 
I'm able to sit on my couch and watch the playoffs every night, stress-free, not nervous, just, you know, hoping for overtime and, and game sevens it's all because we both turned into massive basket cases during the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like. exactly. All right, so the uh, Carolina-Washington series will get underway uh, tomorrow, Thursday, April 11th, 7.30, uh, 7.30 puck drop. So that that's when that one gets underway. And um, definitely looking forward to that. That's probably going to be one of my, uh, again, one of my top series that I'm looking forward to. I mean, they're all pretty good. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, again, another wildly interesting one for me. Let's go New York Islanders, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. This uh, was a 2-2 uh, season split between the two squads, which kind of goes to show you, you know, how good the Islanders have been this year. And I mean, I guess we're calling an Islander victory, an upset, even though the series starts on Long Island at the Coliseum. So yeah. it, technically they are the favorites, but I think in everyone's notebooks, they've got the Penguins as yeah, the favorites. They're most certainly they? the underdogs and it's, it's every conceivable metric other than where they ended up in the standings. Um, I said it all year, don't sleep on Pittsburgh, whether they were in or out of the playoffs, you just knew that they were going to do what it took to make it there. So I can definitely see them doing what it takes to get themselves out of this series. Um, in saying that, though, the, uh, seeing a new team, much like Carolina, I'm really interested to see what kind of impact the Islanders can make um, in this first series. You know, if they win a couple games or not, I think is going to be uh, is going to be big for them to grow. And um, let's not forget, I mean, they do have some vets on that team with some experience. It's not all built around young guys. Uh, so there's lots of guys who can who can help them out and get it done. But um, don't sleep on the Penguins because we know what Sid the Kid can do. And if they're getting stellar goaltending and, uh, you know, they're keeping pucks out of their net, we know they're going to put a few in. Well, the crazy thing about Pittsburgh for me, Lesko, is in the last three years, the only team to beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs was the Washington Capitals, and they won the Stanley Cup that year. Yeah. So in the last three years, the Penguins have either won the Cup or lost to the Cup. Yeah. champions the ultimate cup champions so i mean like the islanders are, are are in tough here man i i don't really i know that they've they've played very phenomenally well uh defensively throughout the course of the regular season they don't score a lot of goals but they don't give up a lot of goals either i feel like it, it, it's something's got to give in this series man because we've seen pittsburgh play in the playoffs before series against boston series against uh washington series against the rangers where they just score. They'll let you score, but they'll also fucking score. Oh, yeah. It's very reminiscent of the 2016 Leafs when we were all having a great time because uh, they'd score all kinds of goals, but then they'd give up all kinds too. Yeah. The Penguins play that way in the playoffs. The Islanders don't want to play that way. And if there's a team in the NHL right now that can make you play their game, I think it's the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Maybe two of the best in the league at making you making you play our game. Right. And it's going to be dictating the pace of the play. It's going to be up to the Islanders on home ice. Maybe some matchups are involved. I don't know, but it's going to be up to the Islanders to slow the pace of this series down. And I think they have a chance to do that, man. You know why? Wild card, Barry Trotz, the only guy in the last three years to solve the Penguin well, puzzle. Yeah, if that's a good point because if there's someone who knows uh, how to beat them and knows the Penguins inside and out, it's got to be Barry Trotz, right? And so I know a lot of people have been calling on the potential decline of the Penguins throughout the season and maybe even a little bit last year, which, uh, but I still don't think we're at that point yet. So I'm going to go on this one. I'm going to make a fun prediction on this one that, that, that this series ends in Pittsburgh in Game 6 
in double OT. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be one of those ones where, like, we're going seven, you All know? Right. And then the Penguins fucking win. Yeah, put me down for Pitt and seven. Pitt and seven? I like Pitt and seven. I was initially going to call Pitt and seven, but then I realized that game seven would be would be back in the Coliseum. I could just see. I, I don't want to... I don't want to discredit the Islanders too much. Like I can see them getting swept very easily. Right, I agree. But I can also see them putting in three, putting up three at Nassau. So yeah, yeah, and that's exactly one of the main reasons for me too, because that series starting in the Coliseum mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely huge for them. Well, huge for them, but also like vital. It's so vital that oh, they yeah. win their home games. I know you're never in trouble until you lose on home ice, but for the Islanders, I think once they lose on home ice, the series is is over. Because I don't know if they're going to be able to steal more than one game in Pittsburgh to win the series. In order to win the series, they're going to have to steal at yeah. least one game there. And if it ends up being much of a shootout like you kind of ref- um, alluded to earlier, um, it's just something that the Islanders are not capable of keeping up with the Penguins on. That's putting up goals. No, and I mean, when you put their top guys against the Penguins' top guys, it's really a no It's not trainer. even close. It's yeah. not close. So, All right, let's move on to uh, the Western Conference. Um my probably my second favorite series in the Western Conference will lead off with the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Calgary winning the season series between the two teams uh, three to zero. Uh, it was three two in overtime, six five in regulation, and five three all in Calgary's favor. So some high scoring affairs uh, between the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Avalanche during the regular season, which I don't think surprises anybody. Let's go because. At times, the Flames were getting great goaltending from either Riddich or Smith, or at one point it was pretty much all Dave, big save Dave. Um, Mike Smith gets the net back. I don't know where they're going. I heard on the radio today that all signs point to Mike Smith getting the start for mm-hmm. the Flames in Game 1. Um, an interesting series for me. I think if I'm going to pick an upset in in the first round, I might lean towards the Colorado Avalanche. It is, uh, I have heard recently that they're very hopeful for Miko Rantanen to be available for game one, which I think is a surprise to a lot of people. Um, but I mean, man, if he comes back and he can go and the flames don't get that top notch goaltending, that's a big question mark. And that's the wrong question mark that you want to have in the playoffs. Yeah. But also the Avalanche's goaltending is a big question mark too. It sounds like Grubauer starting the series. Um, he's played, I think he played 35 games this year, which is a career high for him. So, I mean, the book's still out on whether or not he's, you know, a starting goaltender or whatever. Well, he finished um, 8 0 2. Yeah. Which is, is fairly, you know, fairly decent and everything. But, and I think that's just a late season push. So I'm interested to see how they perform in the first game. But I could I could see Calgary just being the just the more powerful, more experienced team. But here's a goaltending battle that might is not going to come down to your A plus goaltenders in the NHL. It's going to be who of these three guys, maybe four of Varlamov yeah. finds his way into the net as well. Um, can can step up and, and potentially steal the series for their team. Well, I think in this series, we're going to see four goalies. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I think for sure yeah. we're going to see three. But I think overall, in in kind of any way, I slice it anyway in my head, Yeah, you got to give the edge to Calgary, defense, depth, forwards, and even goaltending at the end of the day. So let me ask you then, just generally speaking, as we move into the playoffs, do you put any stock or or how much stock do you put into facing a, a team that is coming off just a, an unbelievable finish to the season. Teams like Colorado, teams like St. Louis, teams like Dallas. So these are teams 
um, Colorado, St. Louis, and Dallas, they're all playing very uh, favored teams. Everyone's favoring the Jets. Everyone's favor over the over the Blues. Everyone's favoring the Predators over the Stars. Everyone's favoring the Flames over the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. But all three of those teams are facing maybe the three hottest teams in the NHL yeah, right I th- now. I, and I think um, overall, the odds makers, the the people who you know are kind of putting you know picking whatever teams they believe are going to win they're not putting a lot of stock in that and i don't because it's only going to be a story if colorado comes in and say sweeps calgary it's like well they were on a big heater to end the season so they come in and dummy them but if they lose the first game whatever they did along the stretch run is not going to be not going to matter it's not going to be a story now you're down 0-1 right so i it it's so if to, you it's win, to it be matters. determined. It's it to it's to be determined, right? I like because it. if if one of those teams uh, who was hot towards the end of the year knocks off one of those teams that was cold, and especially if it's an upset, you're really going to attribute that to the play down the stretch. So I like what you're I like what you're getting at. So let me try and put it in a basket here. So basically, game one. If you've been the hot team, you better win game one, you and better, then it still matters, right? You better win game one, or you, you better at least have a good showing. And if you don't, yeah. then 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 that streak you were on. Because if you get wallpaper, nobody's going to harken back. Well, guys, we finished the season ten you know, wins on, or whatever. On a streak, yeah. and it's like everyone's going to be like, shut the fuck up. Like, it doesn't <laughs> we're down matter. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like that though because yeah. if you win game one, then you say, oh man, okay, so we finished the season on like an eight gamer. Yeah, because you're trying then, to carry the mo- the momentum yeah. through. You want to carry that momentum through, and if you finish off the season, oh and five you're trying to just kill that from your memory well and that's what i'm thinking about the winnipeg jets let's go to that series next uh so we'll talk about the jets versus the blues winnipeg wins the season series over the blues three to one it it it, it definitely bears mentioning here that all uh all of those games all of those games all four of them were completed before december 8th so before the blues just flipped their season right around when they were in last place on january 3rd they were in last place. Right. So I, I this is where I'm really... So is it an upset to pick the Blues? Because I'm all over the Blues on this one. Me too. So I, am I. I'm not... And, uh, you know, this might be some recency bias on the Jets and the Blues. But, I mean, we're not talking about the Blues coming in on a five-game winning streak. We're talking about one of the best second se- second halves of the season in the NHL, which completely erased the memory of their start. And so it should, because I think it's more of an accurate reflection of who they are. Oh, my God. They've been phenomenal. I mean, they finished the season 45, 28, and 9, 99 points on the year after, like I said, being in last place on January 3rd, which is insane because what do they say? You have like a, you have like a, a 25% chance of making the playoffs if you're out of the playoffs by American Thanksgiving. Yeah, it might have been, it might have been even less than that for I think them, it is uh, around, oh, the, oh, around January 3rd. Oh God, it would have yeah. been less than 10% yeah, for them. Exactly. They ran the table. And it's, it, it shows you that it's definitely possible, but the, the probability that that would even happen is so low because usually teams are in that situation for a reason. But for the Blues, it wasn't that they weren't good. It's that uh, they were playing like shit. Right, and they weren't getting goaltending. All of a sudden, bidding, excuse me, Biddington comes up, and they flip a switch, and yeah. off they go. I mean, I, I haven't looked into them enough to get give a good explanation on it, but I'm all over St. Louis for for upsetting uh, for upsetting Winnipeg here. But this is why I wanted to talk about them next because we were going off on a bit of a tangent there about about recent play and, and coming into the playoffs, and literally both narratives work heavily against the Jets here. They have not been playing great. 
they 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 had a couple of really nice efforts there their last couple games out. Uh, I think that bodes well for confidence, especially moving into the most important time of the year. But overall, they haven't been fantastic. They're very much like the Leafs, actually, in 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 so far as the the Leafs haven't been world beaters the last couple months. But the last couple games, we've seen some some good efforts. We've yeah. seen more sixty minute complete efforts. So same idea uh, on the other side for for the Winnipeg Jets. But overall, they haven't been playing great. Mm-hmm. Patrick Laine has six goals since December, which is insane. Which is insane after leading the league uh, November thirtieth. Calendar flips, and then he gets six goals from then till the end of the fucking yeah. season, which is unbelievable so that works against them then you've got the blues coming in here they don't they're not afraid of anybody right now no and nor should they be nor should they be i agree completely so that one's going to be a real interesting series i think the i think early on in that series we're going to see who who's going to win yeah and i know I, that sounds like a dumb thing to say but i, I don't think that's going to be one of those ones where it's back and forth maybe it does go seven but i don't it know could, it could certainly go seven because i could see winnipeg you know, hitting that playoff gear just because they did have that good deep run last year. Um, they definitely have the talent. It's just whether they can pull it all together and kind of shake off whatever went on with them in this you kind know, of second half of the season or even in the in the stretch, the home stretch. And I mean, they kind of backed into the playoffs, but it didn't hurt them at all, Lesko, because they still got home ice advantage. Exactly. I mean, did. they still had a terrific season, but much like the Leafs situation, um, if you're a fan, you might th- have higher expectations and um, view it as a bit of an underachievement Um uh, for how they finished and where they ended up in the standings. So uh, St. Louis, Winnipeg, that series gets underway tonight, uh, April 10th. That's right. Fucking tonight. Every time I say that, I get all jacked up. Uh, puck drop is in like 45 minutes. We better hustle. Hustle. Um, St. Louis, Winnipeg starts at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, I didn't mention the Colorado and uh, Calgary series. That gets underway tomorrow at 10 p.m. Uh, and moving right along, we will cover the uh, San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. This one, for me, other than the Leaf series, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Vegas puts on an unbelievable show. It's Vegas. Of course they do. But their, 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 their pregame ceremonies and everything that they do, the music, the lights, it's all unbelievable and i can't wait for it to get underway and then when they go to san jose let's go another home ice uh game that i really love seeing in the playoffs i know it's late but that's usually the reason why i stay up this late because it's a sharks game yeah and i love seeing the shark head come down and the players come skating out they got great fans out in san jose it's going to be a real homer series i think between these two teams well yeah and this is probably one of the uh probably other than the Boston-Toronto series, the closest in terms of being a, pretty much a coin flip. I mean, you have... I've looked at the uh, the probabilities for this one, and it's pr- pretty tight. And with a slight edge going to Vegas, and the main edge that Vegas has at this point in time is Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, with with the, the... Martin Jones has been one of the worst fucking goaltenders all season long. And yeah, I, I can't... We know how important goaltending is in the playoffs. Um, I know the Sharks, how deep they are, how good they are, and you know you put a you put a league average goalie in there, and they could be absolutely fine. But yeah. it's too much of a question mark for me, and that's the only reason why I give Vegas the edge. I would have to agree with you, and and uh, you know it's bad for radio or or podcasting or bad listening, but 
I agree. That's it. That's all I have. I mean, uh, Martin Jones hasn't been getting the job done. Uh, Aaron Dell, the computer, he hasn't been doing very well either. Uh, dude, you're getting a Dell. Dude, you're getting the start. <laughs> you better get ready because, dude, you're yeah. getting a start. If, I, if I'm Dell, I'm I'm warming up fully as if I'm starting for the game one, like just in case, because you know any at any point he could be getting thrown in. Because Format the hard drive, blow some air in there, and get ready because you're know, going he, in. He's not great either, so I, there's probably going to be a bit of reluctancy to, to pull uh, to pull Jones. I mean, if you're if you're the Sharks right now, you're just hoping that, that he f- figures it out and gets going, but... You know, looking at his entire body of work, I, there's not the expectations can't be too high for a guy like that. And I mean, we saw Vegas last year, Lasko. I don't know how it, you know well you remember the run, but we saw games where Vegas scored a bunch of goals, and we also saw games going to double overtime, one-one. Oh yeah, so and, and they it, can do it. And we forget that they, you know, they steamrolled Winnipeg. I mean, they they steamrolled a lot of teams last year, and. I know some of that magic might have worn off, and you can't attribute it to the crazy whirlwind of a uh, inaugural season, but we can't sleep on them either. All right, so Wednesday, uh, or excuse me, yeah, tonight, Wednesday, April tenth, Vegas, San Jose, ten thirty start. I can't wait, and I I don't even care about having to be up late when it's playoffs. I will not go to bed until the final puck is in. I don't know about you. I I'll, won't. I'll probably be in bed. I hate it. I can't do it. I have like. I've gone to bed before in like double overtime of like whatever game two, you know, and I, I just lay in there and like, I can't, I have to go back downstairs and watch it again. Yeah. See, I go to bed before overtime begins. So then you don't okay. get too hooked. Okay. I see. Yeah. Good, 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 good point. Good point. Yeah. But I, obviously though, you wake up and see the highlights like, oh shit. Like you, I'll try and watch that. Like, uh, the extended package, you know, five, six minutes. Those are good. You get like the saves, the yeah. hits. Those are good. Yeah. Uh, I, I really wish Sportsnet would do what they, what they did for the world cup of hockey and the same thing that they do for the Jays. We've talked about this before. Yeah, the Jays game and 30. 60 or the game Jays and 30. 30. Yeah. I wish they had Leafs in 30, first mm-hmm. and foremost. I would watch it even after watching the game. Yeah, I would of probably, course. I would. Especially when they win. I like to revel. Yeah, of course. I like to revel. So I wish they would do... Remember when they had the World Cup of Hockey? They did the World Cup of hockey in 30 minutes. Yeah, and the Leafs TV used to do uh, used to do Leafs in an hour yeah, or whatever game it was. Recap, just whole, commer- yeah. It was like the whole game commercial-free, cut between whistles, all just it was the entire the game. boring stuff was, it was out. just mashed yeah. all together. Um, so I wish they would do something similar for the playoffs. Like I wish Sportsnet. I mean, they've got they got a five five point two billion dollar deal. I mean, they've got playoff rights. I, I wish they would bring someone in, do do a, a little segment of a half hour, and just do like playoff recap. And you could do you know what? There's like four or five games on per night in the first round. Yeah, tell me you couldn't get that done in an hour show. Well, and fucking put ice serving on TV too, you fucking cowards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along. Last series before we jump over to our Leafs and Bruins segment. Doing well for time. Um, Nashville and Dallas. So Nashville and Dallas, uh, the only uh, the only two teams here, the only series, I should say, where the two teams played against each other five times this year. I thought that was pretty interesting. Five times these guys played each other this year. Nashville edging Dallas in the season series by a score of three to two. So I think we were talking about upsets earlier. I think if I'm looking at a possible upset in Colorado, I don't think that's a favorite pick, but I think an upset with Dallas over Nashville is a little bit more of a uh, normal society accepted uh, upset. It's more plausible for sure. And the main reason I say this is because 
Dallas is having a tremendous defensive year. Always their issues over the years has been they can score goals like crazy, but they can't keep them out of their net. Defense is porous. Goaltending subpar. Ben Bishop, I don't know if anyone noticed, but he led the NHL in save percentage and goals against average, I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you will. Um, and, Bishop, sorry? Yeah, Bishop. No, he was by and far. And they had a, they had a huge reduction in their goals against. So clearly they've got a system that works. I know the emergence of Heiskanen on the back end has helped them out a lot. Um, that pairing with Klingberg is just outstanding. Um, and on the other side of the coin, the Predators have a fucking hard time scoring goals, even yeah. still. I know they tried to patch that up and they tried to solve that with bringing in Simmons and other guys, but they're not scoring enough five on five and their power play isn't getting it done either. Worse than the league. Now, if I don't isolate the series and look big picture and you look at recent success and playoff success, you got to take Nashville, right? The more experienced, the more well-balanced, uh, the more proven overall. But this could be... This could be a good time for Dallas to to make a dent, and these guys got to be hungry because when's the last time they've been in the playoffs? Two, three years ago, mm-hmm. and when you would say on paper they're at least good enough to get there, right? Yeah, and I mean, and and on paper they're good enough to make the playoffs. On paper, are they good enough to beat the Nashville Predators? And Probably I think, not, because no. line for line they don't match up very well against them. But I'm thinking the only reason why I say potential upsets, like I said, the the defensive. Uh, acumen of the stars versus the lack of offense coming out of the Predators. You know, and I mean, as we wrap up the rest of the league series, Lesko, I mean, there's really, there's a few similarities here throughout these teams in the sense that a lot of these teams are one line shut down, you win. Uh, I would put Dallas in that category. You shut down the top line of the Dallas Stars and you win. Um, I would say the Boston Bruins are in that category. You shut down the top line of the Bruins, you win. And I think I'd go in so far as to say even the Carolina Hurricanes might be in there as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, Colorado, another example. Oh, of course, yeah. I skipped, yeah. yeah, of course, Colorado, of course. So there's at least there's half of the playoff teams that are in this year are basically not limping in on one line, but they're coming in saying, here's our line, beat it. Right, and that's... and. That's one of the reasons as we move towards the Leaf and Bruins series that the Bruins have um, a perceived edge offensively because they're the only team with, I think it's four guys, or sorry, three guys uh, that are in the top 10 in overall game score in the NHL. There's no, there's very few teams in the NHL that have three elite level players on their first line. Um, you know, you point to Colorado. Are, two of those guys are definitely elite. Right. Landeskog might be on the fringes of that. Um, but that that makes you hard to stop, but at the same time easier to stop because if you can stop, the, find a one way. You That's know, it. If you have one line to match up and a D pairing to match up, and you shut those guys down. That really takes a lot of the offense out of the picture for those teams. And you know, I hear arguments from both sides. One argument that says, "Okay, well, it's the playoffs. It's a seven game series. It's much easier to." make the necessary adjustments over a course of a seven game series than it is to play a different team every second or third night. Right. Okay. Well, we're watching video. We're getting prepared for the St. Louis blues to come in tonight. Well, guess what? Now you're getting prepared for a seven gamer. Mm -hmm. So I've heard the arguments on one side that say, you know what? It's easier over the course of the, of the series to shut that line down. Then I've heard on the other side, it can become a real frustrating fact because if you, if you struggle to shut down that line early in the series, 
it could be over because mm-hmm. now you've given them the confidence. They've each got two or three points in the first right. game. And that's a little bit what happened to Toronto last year in that they got yes. blown out in the first two games. That uh, Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron line li- absolutely lit them up. Yeah. Um, they killed them on the power play, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into that a little bit more here. Yeah, so let's let's roll right along. Last point there on the uh, Preds and Stars. That also gets underway tonight. 9.30, and one last point on the schedule. Um, not that it really matters because this is, pod isn't probably going to come out until afterwards, but uh, I love the stagger, let's go. 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 9.30, 10.30. Perfect. It's such a perfect stagger. They fuck us over sometimes in the reg- in the regular season, <laughs> which I can't stand, especially on games or on nights where there's only three games and th- two of them are at 7 and the other one's at 8. Yeah. So they're always like playing at the same time, which is annoying. Tomorrow, when the Leafs get underway, uh, it's 7 o'clock, Leafs-Bruins, 7.30, Hurricanes, Caps, and 10 o'clock Flames, Avalanche. The, uh, excuse me, the Dallas and Nashville series doesn't start till Saturday. How's that? Interesting. Yeah. A little bit extra time off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know why they got that, but. Or excuse me, that's, no, no, no. How did I even do that? I just said that the Stars and the Predators are playing tonight. Oh, fuck. I was going to say. Yeah. Fucking Saturday. Stars and Preds playing tonight. Sorry, they have a game two on Saturday. They, yeah, they have a two-day right. two okay. gap. That's right. They have a two-day gap. My bad. So, yeah. Okay, let's get going. Uh, Leafs and Bruins, my man. So, so where are we going with this? Where's your head at? Um, are you are you buying into everyone's, you know, Bruins are going to roll us easily? Are you, are you throwing some of your chips in the pile for the Leafs can do it? Like, what are you thinking? Well, I'm definitely not buying into the Leafs are going to get rolled because – I, and those that comes from two different areas, let's be honest. That comes from the leaf haters, one. Yeah. And B, the negative Nancy fucking fans. The ones that say the ones that say they're gonna get fucking smoked, so then after the series I'm like, oh, I fucking told you they're gonna get smoked, so you can be right about something. But how the fuck does that make you feel if that's your team? You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to fire it off quickly with some of this uh, Garrett Sparks news. I know we've been talking about him way too much, fucking much, so I'm going to do this quickly. Call him out, Sparks. But we got some surprise news just before the end of the season, whereas um, Hutchison was called up, uh, and at the same day we found that out, Garrett Sparks didn't show up to practice. Gear wasn't there, didn't have his name on the stall. Uh, so shortly thereafter, Elliot Friedman tweeted out that he'll be working with the goalie coaches daily, Um and they said it was a 10-day period. Now, you can go ahead and forget that because I guarantee you if he, you know, the Leafs are in the middle of the second round or the end of this upcoming series, it's the 19th of April or whatever that puts us at, there's no fucking way he's coming back. No. He's done for the year. No. Absolutely. There's no way he's coming back. But it was such a weird situation and probably a bit of a difficult decision for the team to make at this point in time, but most definitely has to be the right decision because there's no way that you can hang Freddie out to dry because you don't want to put sparks in the net. Say he needs to get pulled or he's not 100% and you can't be in a situation where you're scared to put in your backup goaltender. Yeah, but realistically, uh, I feel with the Leafs more so than any other team in the playoffs right now, if they're going to their backup, the game is over. Oh, most and, definitely. And if the and if the starter is injured, the series is over. Yeah, because like I think we saw Freddie get pulled, and it was what four or five nothing at one point. We had game two. I can't recall oh, which one yeah. he got pulled. Yeah, you're right. I think it was game yeah. two. Yeah. I don't know if they lit us up afterwards, I, but that's my point. It it really it doesn't bear mentioning because no one cares. The game was over. You're fucking losing. Your your starter gets pulled now. 
I see where you're coming from though. Two quick ones and then a third. Okay, well, there's still 14 minutes left in the first period. This game yeah, is not right. over. That's right. We we need to be able to put a guy in. So I agree with you on that one. And even if it's one of those stop the bleeding where you put him in the rest of the period and then send Freddie out for the second, again, you, you don't want to be falling back on Sparks for that. So this Yeah, is but a, does that ever happen though? Like it, of, it doesn't happen as much as I think it should. I agree with that. Other because than the time Luongo had to take a shit. Right, right. Because <laughs> especially when there's times where it's like, yeah, the um, for instance, it was the game against Tampa, I think, where the Leafs gave up three goals and their four goals in the first period. But, th- you know, three of the four were not even close to Anderson's fault. But, you know, they, they pull him out to save him. It's like, guys don't got it tonight. Get out of the net. Yeah. Take the rest of the night off. Whatever. But I remember that was the night before they had the game in Ottawa. Yeah. And I remember being like, hey, they pulled Freddie like early. Maybe, maybe, maybe we get to, maybe see, him. We get to yeah. see him, but no, no, but, uh, yeah, it's a, a tough move for the Leafs to make, but obviously the right one. And that's part of the reason why they had Hutchison there, right? Is insurance and they're cashing in right now. Did you read the report also about Hutchinson that he was out for personal so, reasons? So that's What's the, that? that's the update on that. So oh, okay. today, um, it was revealed that he left the team because his wife is giving birth to a child. Way to go, Hutchison, to line that up with the playoffs. Yeah, like... <laughs> so he's missing time because he had sex back in August. Nine months August ago. August or whatever it is. Or, <laughs> he <had> sex. <laughs> or All right, folks, listen, we're going to do a little birds and bees corner. So basically what happens... <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's an interesting situation. So it looks like Garrett Sparks is actually slated to back up at least for Saturday until further notice and Hutchison makes it back. Um, all the best to him on becoming a new dad. Wow, really? So, I mean, how do you feel that transition is for Garrett Sparks to come back into the room? Well, the guy's obviously on an emotional fucking roller coaster. He had a tough year. He basically got cut before the season was over. And now it's like, no, well, you're back up because we don't really have a fucking choice. So get your gear, shut your mouth, and hopefully you don't fucking see one second of ice time. But that's why I ask you about it because he called his teammates out and all of his teammates, I mean, I'm sure they all think he's a great guy. I'm sure they would all go to his birthday party or whatever. But, you know, there's got to be a little a little tension there. Like, come on, man, you're calling us out. You can't make a save. Yeah, but he also owned his loss the next time. So True. Oh, yeah, he, no, I'm not taking this He tried to balance that out. But, but anyway. even still, I don't, I don't know if that taste just goes away. Is no, probably not. And, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. He's got a job to do. He shows up and, and does it and hopefully keeps his mouth shut in the process, right? All right, well... Uh, what's next so yeah let's uh i wanted to dig in a few um statistical stuff i know i was talking about uh some of the probabilities going into this so um this series uh using dom decision of the athletics model uh the closest probability and he actually gave the leafs the edge 50.1 percent to 49.9 so and the interesting uh, split so apparently the only edge that the leafs get and why this is reflected as such is because his, he says his model favors offense and the leafs have more um offensive threats more, more yeah. offensive threats beyond one line right and frederick anderson is the other edge that the leafs have because he has a higher game score essentially than than Tuka. Tuka Rask. okay i would i would i would tend to agree yeah with which, that which makes a lot of sense yep. but i mean Overall, it, it, it's literally a coin toss, 50-50, really, if you want to boil it down to that. Um, I, it really shows you, too, that this could be a goalie duel, but both teams are walking in this series with a bit of question marks because over the last month, Anderson is a is an .898, which is much below his career average and way below his season average going into that month. And Tuka Rask is at a .881. 
So here we have two teams that are, I mean, well, every team's heavily dependent on their goaltender in the playoffs. Right. But two teams that might not know what they're going to get going into this. And I know we, we've talked about this a lot over the past few weeks, but the Leafs don't win this series or go anywhere in the playoffs or even make the playoffs without Freddie Anderson yeah. covering over the warts and the um, balancing out the egregious number of shots they might give up in a game. Yeah. Now, that being said, I I have, for some reason just like a blind faith in Freddie Anderson, even when he gives up bad goals. Yeah. I'm still confident. I still don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still don't care. Like when I see a bad goal, I feel just to break it down a little bit more. When I see a bad goal on, on Freddie Anderson, I immediately think, geez, that was a bad goal. And then I'm very surprised by it versus other guys in the league. We won't name any names, but we see some bad goals and I go, God damn it, that was bad. And I expected it because of the way he plays. Right. So, you know, I, I just have a lot of confidence going with Freddie. I He can give up four or five in game one. If we score four, five, or six, I'm still going to have the same level of confidence going into game two. I feel like it's more of a leaf hater, social media presence to call out a guy like Freddie Anderson after having a bad outing, you know, quote unquote, in, in one game in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen that for all kinds of great goaltenders. We saw Jonathan Quick give up a ton of goals the year that he took the team to the Cup in 2012 by himself, basically. We saw Marc-Andre Fleury have horrible playoff outings in the same series that mm-hmm. they that they ultimately won. Yeah. You know, we saw Grubauer start for Holtby, and then Holtby ended up carrying yeah, the team. taking the reins. So we can see a change in the nets. It, it's fine to, to have a, a less-than-stellar effort, and I'm fully confident every time I see Freddie And it happens up. lots. There's plenty of series that end 4-1, and that one game, you know, the team got blown out and the goalie got pulled. It's all in how you bounce back, right? And, yeah, good point. And I mean, we're all hoping that Freddie bounced back from a, from a bit of a rough stretch throughout the month of March. Um, but really what it's going to come down to is Leafs potent offense versus the Bruins kind of stingy defense, right? Um, if the Leafs can, you know, produce at a rate that we know they're capable of and find a way to solve Boston's defensive systems, they're much more likely to be successful. I think in this series, just because we know they have the more potent offense, they have the offensive tools and they have the depth beyond line one. Because I know we place a lot of emphasis on on shutting down the Bergeron line, containing them, and the production of, say, the Tavares-Marner line. But if those are the two lines matching up, it's really going to be... It's really going to be important for the Leafs' bottom nine to find a way to chip in. Oh, because line for line beyond that first line, the Leafs outmatch the Bruins. And it, we know this. So they can't get outworked. It's absolutely imperative that Matthews finds a groove. Absolutely. I think I think I think Matthews finding a groove is equally as important, maybe even fucking more important than Freddie being good. And I know that kind of doesn't make sense because if your goalie's not good, you're done. But if our goalie's not good and you and you pair that with Matthews finding this groove and playing against the second and third and maybe even the fourth line sometimes against the Bruins, man, we should be absolutely walking down to the fucking bank tomorrow after seeing the lineup matchups that we could have mm-hmm. against these guys. I don't even care if it's on the road. Yeah. It's not a situation like, you know, many years ago, let's go where having that home ice advantage, I know it's important still, but I feel like years ago it was even more important because each team kind of had like 
a superstar. Yeah, and it matters. And you'd match him up, or maybe you'd try and get the superstar away from the matchup for a shift or two. Right. And, and it could sway games. And matchup's going to matter a lot more to the Bruins than, is gonna, is, than it is to the Leafs, other than the Leafs ensuring that they have the proper guys up against that one line. But if you're Boston, you're you're scratching your head right now because last year, the Bergeron line effectively dominated Austin Matthews at 5-5, five five, and one of the reasons why he was able to... Um, uh, they were able to keep him off the score sheet for most games. But if you go into a situation where Tavares and Marner are playing against uh, uh, that top line, that frees up a lot of ice for Matthews and gives him a prime opportunity to do, like you say, take this series by the reins and dominate and show us that not only can I take over a game in the regular season, but I'm capable of doing this when the chips are down in the playoffs. And we saw that in his rookie year too, with some very clutch, clutch goals against the Washington. Yeah, absolutely. To either was... take a lead or get us back in a game. And the, the amount of emotion uh, that you would see from the player after those moments w- was really uplifting uh, considering, you know, considering we knew we were probably going to have this guy for many years, but listen, I want to come back to something that you mentioned with line matchups. I agree with you in theory, that the Bruins have to pay more attention to the line matchups than the Leafs. But the reason why I'm upset already before it even fucking starts tomorrow is because while your theory makes sense, Babcock. <laughs> yeah, Full stop. And because he gets so caught up in the line matchups. So caught and I know up. there was a lot of times throughout the season where like, buddy, like you got the better you know, no matter which way you slice it, you got the the deeper team. So roll your guys here. Like and and we ended up in situations that don't make sense. If you're so high in the latch-up, then why is Freddie the Goat getting caught out there against, you know, somebody in the top six for the opposite squad? Like, he, it doesn't would, make he, sense to me sometimes. He would have guys with, with like, three or four minutes less ice time. I mean, let's go. How many shifts is that? Seven? Six or seven shifts less than another player on the team that didn't get any points. And the guy that played six or seven minutes less had a goal and an assist and six shots. Fucking play him. And it gets so frustrating. We've I've yelled about this all season. And I feel like I'm done yelling about it. But I'm not. I'm going to be yelling about it next week from fucking wherever I'm going. Well, where I am know. I going again? I forget <laughs> where I'm going. Going on vacation, I'm going to be yelling at you over my phone if we're able I to bet. do a radio pod there over the phone. I think I'm already going to be upset after yeah, a couple games fine. of seeing the line match. And I think we're going to be scrutinizing and keeping a close eye on the minutes because we know that he's really moderated the minutes, barring injury, for a lot of his players. I think Byrner a couple times was, was high up in the... 20, 21, 22, and I think a lot of that has to do with his PK and his special teams time in general. Yes, definitely um, the PK for but, sure. But, uh, you know, if, if we're moderating guys like uh, Matthews ice time all season long, there's no reason why he shouldn't, you know, touch 20 minutes a couple of times here, um, especially if we're in a situation where we're chasing the game for, you know, 40 minutes. Um, here's our, you know, th- leave it all on the ice, right? And don't just, not just on the players, but on for Babs. Like, leave... You know, ride your guys hard. Riley, fucking Gardner. Like, yeah, these are guys who are going to have to play a huge role if you're going to be successful because we know that we know who our X factors are and we need to get the most out of them. Yeah. And I don't care if it's been 40 minutes and Matthews has zero shots. I still want him to be one in the, 
want him to be one of the ice time leaders in the third period. Yeah, and right? I think the other thing too is I wouldn't mind seeing – I know you don't see a lot of this, but I wouldn't mind seeing even just some minor tinkering as in like – you know how it goes, man. You know how sports is. Let's go. You've played all kinds of sports. We've all played all kinds of sports growing up. Sometimes – Sometimes you're just fucking feeling it. That's just the way it is. I don't care if mm-hmm. you're playing soccer or rugby or volleyball or whatever. Sometimes, Sometimes you're just having a game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and and you know what? If a guy on fucking right wing on the fourth line named Nick Patan is having a game of his life and Willie up on the top line or second line, whatever you want to call it with Matthews has been taking penalties and he's got like a, he just hasn't been, he, maybe he was on the ice and he should have changed and we got a fucking too many men penalty. You know, we get all kinds of those. Like you're a coach. You have to make those decisions yeah. in game. And maybe I think- you swap a guy up and just give him even a couple of shifts to mm. see what kind of spark you could ignite. He doesn't do that ever yeah. Also, he's gotten better at that. I will give him credit this year where he has been making some adjustments on the fly. Agreed. Um, you know, bump, especially towards the second half. Yeah. Whether it's bumping Trevor Moore up for a few yeah. more minutes. Like that's the good thing about having some skill guys in your depth, because if they are having a game and one of your top six isn't going, swap them out. Right. We need to get the most out of everybody in order to win this series. Um, I'm going to fire it into question mode here. I got some uh, rapid question, rapid fire questions here for the boys. Um, first one, who needs to step up their game the most this playoff? Kadri. I Kadri? Didn't even, I think I saw his name on your thing, but I only just looked over it right now. Oh, no, he's on. Oh, yeah, he's the first on your list. Okay, but the reason why it's Kadri for me, and I feel like it's anyone out there that's saying Kadri is going to say the exact same thing as me. Kadri needs to be there for our physical presence. I, I don't care what. Uh, you know what mode of uh, strategies that you that you buy into, but at the end of the day, the playoffs are physical. There's not a lot of goal, goal scoring. There's not a lot of space. You have to fight for every inch, and we need a guy like Kadri to light that fire. We have to we have to have a guy like Kadri out there making hits, separating guys from pucks. We saw it last year. Someone actually just sent me the highlight of it, um, where he he laid a big hit on John Carlson. Uh, against the Caps in the 2016-17 season. And then he followed it up just like 20 seconds later with a huge open ice hit on Brooks Orpik. And then Matthews scored that weird goal where yeah. it deflected around and yeah. it came back to him. He had a big energy shift. Yeah, yeah it, was, right. it was such a huge energy shift. And literally they changed lines. Kadri made the big hit, the second hit of the shift on Orpik. They both went down and the fans were going crazy and Matthews jumps over the boards for Kadri. Yeah. literally replaces him, comes up the ice and scores. Now, albeit it was a bit of a lucky one for Matthews, but it absolutely fired up the building and the team. And we, if we don't have that, I don't think we stand a chance yeah. against the Bruins. And Kadra's a big one because he's he's the kind of guy on the Leafs that can actually counteract some of the physical play and be a physical presence now within reason because he owes us from last year for yeah. fucking taking that retarded penalty and getting himself suspended. So... Um, you know, at the same time, I was like, I was kind of like good for you, Kadri, in that you're trying to do something, but I agree, but that manifested itself in such a terrible manner. I felt, you know, sometimes he just, he just has the blinders on and he's just going full rage. And believe me, I've been there. I've done it. I played hockey. (laughs) I've seen it where it doesn't matter what position that guy's in. You're going to fucking smash him when you get to the boards. Fuck. I've seen that in your goddamn driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So... But uh, I'm going to go with Gardner, and I'm going to go by extension Dermot. Right now, their slot is the third pair. But here's a pair right now that I could easily see 
becoming the first pair by the end of this series or in the end of game one or two. Because if Riley Hainsey are getting eaten alive like they were last year, uh, possession-wise, by that Bergeron line, we can't just keep going through with it because there, there's going to have to be changes. And whether or not that's moving Dermot up on the right side, further up the lineup to play with Riley, yep. or it's just um, shifting the ice time to the Gardner-Dermot pairing, this, like, on paper, is our best puck-moving and probably uh, puck-moving... Well, possession, uh, right? Yeah, and possession-wise... Yeah defensive pairing and these are guys that should be able to clear the zone and generate offense from the back end i'm okay with their tendencies the two of them dermot and gardner i've been on record from back when dermot was playing with the marlies in in the sense that dermot will be our new and improved jake gardner at some point right down the road we will all be like, remember Gardner? Oh, what a guy. Like, he got a rough go here. You know, we'll, we'll look back favorably on him when he's not here yeah, anymore. Yeah, and Dermot's pretty much being groomed to take his to take his place. Yeah, and he's right? very similar. He even skates similarly yeah. to Gardner. I see a lot, a lot of um, similarities between the two players. The one similarity that I don't see, which I like, is Dermot will think about his options and And you can actually see that with your eyes when you watch the game and Dermot's number one edge defensively is his ability to close the gaps in the neutral zone he does a really good job at stepping up guys on the uh, defensive blue lines there Um, next question who do you think will find that extra gear that we we always talk about that extra gear in the playoffs who's going to rise to the occasion who's going to just put the team on the back if need be or just single-handedly win a game or two for us can I give you two uh, I'll let it slide. Okay, because my one kind of doesn't count because he plays with Tavares and Marner, but I'm going Zach Hyman. Okay. Because I fucking love Hyman. Um, I, I love what he brings. I think he is the kind of engine that drives a long playoff run. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I don't want to say Hyman is, like I said, because he plays with Tavares and Marner, there's some shelter there. I still think he gets a lot of disrespect um, for what he can bring to a lineup, specifically five on five. So I feel as far as a matchup is concerned, it's Hyman for me. But to to break it right down to your actual question, which is finding another gear, I don't know if Hyman is necessarily going to find another Does he gear. Have another he only gear? has one yeah, gear, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let let's let's eliminate the Hyman. That was just a good little discussion because I like the guy. I wanted to talk about him. But my first thought when you said find another gear was. AJ, Andreas Janssen. Okay. I'm I'm hoping. Now, I'm not going on record and saying this is... I'm just saying I'm really quietly hoping that Janssen just tears it up here and just earns more money, which I guess is not a good thing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it'll be a fantastic thing if we can get a guy like Andreas Janssen. He's got so much talent ready to pop. And who's he playing with now? Is he playing with He's Matthews? playing with Austin Matthews right now. So there so. we go. It's not necessarily in, a quiet pick He's there. being put in position to, to succeed, Six, absolutely. Yes. And, yeah. and uh, another reason why that's a good pick is that he uh, absolutely lit it up for the uh, Marlies in the Calder Cup run last year. Right. And ended up being playoff MVP. So... We know this guy uh, can rise to the occasion if need be. It's just whether or not he can find a way to do it 
at the NHL level, but he's definitely set up in a prime territory to do it, sitting up uh, riding shotgun there with 34. I think so, and and there's some there's some playmaking options there if that line is going to continue on, which I believe it will, the Matthews, Nylander, and Janssen line. Mm-hmm. There's some creativity there, and what I really like about Janssen as it specifically relates to the Bruins, eliminate everyone else, as it relates to the Bruins, I really, I really love Janssen's um, ability... Uh, it's not just an ability, but it's a choice that he makes to just quickly get the puck on net, mm-hmm. swing one around to the net, low off the goalie's skates. It's a very tough save to make, and mm-hmm. it normally is going to generate a rebound. And you know he'll do it right along the goal line too, Lesko, where he'll just kind of he doesn't really have much else, so he'll do that swing shot. He'll just kind of swing it around and fire it on goal. That creates offense, and in the playoffs. You need greasy ass goals. Absolutely. And that's how you're going to get them by fucking firing them at the feet of Tuka Rask, trying to make them feel uncomfortable, get some traffic there. And I think that might be the one lacking part with AJ's game about, you know, trying to get pucks to the net. Um, Matthews and Nylander aren't necessarily... They're not going to muck and grind. Yeah. But if Matthews yeah. can at least has the ability, and we've seen it little bits and pieces, that he can use his gigantic frame to fight for some body position there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who's good at fighting for body position, um, the guy I'm going to pick for the extra gear has got to be John Tavares. Um, I'm not discrediting the year he had and not saying he didn't play out of this world this year, which he absolutely did. But I've seen John Tavares play in, in international play, and I've seen what he did for that that series they won, yeah. uh, the one series that they won in, in Long Island, and he absolutely put that team on his back. He was a man on a mission, and this guy's got to be more jacked up than any any one of those players right now in that I room. I think so. And I think we're going to see that from Johnny T. I mean, he wants to lead this team Give him into the, the next round, man. He wants to do this. And he's the type of guy who has all the all the tools, all the ability, all the intelligence to be a difference maker. So he's my guy. If there's somebody who's gonna who's gonna find that gear, because we know he has it, it's just whether or not he's gonna do it. I love the fact that he literally is X Factor, because we have no idea. Sure, he had 82 game season. It was fantastic, like you said, yada yada yada. But the the stats, the stats all read zero yeah. today. In an hour, they're going to start reading numbers. But right now, they're zero. And we don't know what to expect. And I think that's like, like you said, tomorrow is going to be nervous excitement, etc. But it's nervous in a really good way for me to, to be like, okay, I got this jersey hanging on my wall. Spent a ton of money on it. Canada Day when we got him. Better dust it off. Tavares Day number one, because yeah. the guy's got two days. Tavares Day number one, I got the jersey. I, I, this was the moment that I was really looking forward to was was playoff Tavares. Strapping it on, yeah. Yeah, playoff Tavares. And I, I, I love the fact that you bring it up. He is, I think, an X factor for me because we don't really know what to expect and I can't wait to see it unfold. Yeah, and, and if anybody's going to give us a bit of an edge and probably the most glaring difference between this year's team and last is that we do have that extra center depth in John Tavares and our center depth was really tested given that gets out... Eh, I was going to call him Kazazim Nadri or something like that. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but yeah, the, given that Nazim Kadri found himself suspended, this one's a bit of a longer one and a bit of a trickier one. But uh, let me know if you got something for this. But who do you match versus the Bergeron line, forwards and defensemen? Because as we've mentioned several times, this was one of the biggest issues we encountered last year, especially in games one and two. I would, I would probably go with the, with the Tavares line. 
Um, I think it's a, I think that's an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if you could really put forth a as strong an argument for any of our other lines. You definitely couldn't. I agree, I can agree with you 100%. Just in the on sense that. that like, you know, JT, he's the 200-foot guy, okay? Mitch, he plays on the penalty kill, so he knows and his so, way and around we know his Hyman own. Hyman plays end. 200 feet as exactly. well. It's, it's exactly. a no-brainer, I think, on that one. And for D, man, geez, I don't know. Is is it Riley Hainsey? It's going to be Riley Hainsey. Then I'm that's assuming off do. the start, and and I think we're going to have to go ahead with that. I'm going to have a little bit of stats on that uh, matchup later, actually, um, as part of my five stats that can't happen this year. <laughs> um, but I'll elaborate on that in a little bit about Riley Hainsey and how they fared out last year, and uh, kind of what we can expect to see this year. Um, Here's a tough one as well. What is your worst case Ontario for this season? What do you mean? Like you ever you ever hear that expression? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what but, is the like? What is the worst thing that can happen here? Well, we lose. I don't understand what you're. No, what I mean, is. I guess I guess I should should have worded that better in the early part of the series. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen walking in game walking out of game one? Pasta with a hat trick. If we let him get off. I I've already said that before. If we let if we let pasta off, then I don't know if we recover. Right. I don't know because I don't know if there's a guy on our side that can match that mm-hmm. against them. And I know that you you take the superstition and you take the past stats and you can talk about them all you want. You can throw them up on fucking TV for for a, a visual, but it really doesn't mean that much until you're actually experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And 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 Pasternak. His ability to just fuck us is immeasurable, mm-hmm. and if he if we let him do it again, it's just going to be a long fucking series of this guy scoring multiple goals every fucking game. Yeah, and I guess I kind of came up with this because my biggest concern really going into the series is them getting off to another poor start like they did last year. I mean, it felt like it was over after games one and two because of how badly they got beat. So, you know, taking one of two in Boston I think is really critical because if they go down 0-2 again... You know, we know it's it's probably all but over. As much as I hate to be that pessimistic guy, and believe me, I'm I'm going into every game thinking we can win regardless of right. what the series is at. But you know, the logical part of me um, would put me back on that the feelings I had last year, and I didn't enjoy that. So you know how most people will say like, okay, uh, whoever wins game one wins the series, or whoever scores first wins the game, right? Like you know how you'll mm-hmm. go on record, and be, okay, next goal wins, right? I'll I'll I'm confident enough to say that if the Leafs go into Boston and win game one, we win the series. Very good. I'll hold you to that. And, But here's here's the counter, though. I'm not ready to say that if the Bruins win game one, that they've automatically won the series. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm only saying it on one side. Okay. Saying, if the Leafs are able to, to, to win the first game on the road, that'll be it for the series because right. because now now all of a sudden you have completely stolen home ice i know you yeah i that's know the you majority steal. of the advantage though right there is the extra game yeah i know you steal home ice anytime you win a game on the road but to do it in game one now all of a sudden you're telling the bruins hey we'll see you in 48 hours and you better fucking win right right because if you don't put we're them gonna on their fucking heels sweep you now put them on their heels a little bit yeah, yeah. so that's what yeah. i'm Get saying if, yeah good momentum so that's what i'm saying hop. if the leafs win i think we win the series but if the bruins win i'm not ready to fold and say that, that yeah. they win because of that all right so here's a much better question than that last one which i kind of botched uh it went well <laughs> it went well that's what i'll tell my mom <laughs> uh, <laughs> um should babcock emulate what the bruins do on the penalty kill and for example, 
throw in JT and Marner on the penalty kill because if you've noticed um, for the over the last couple of years anyway, Bergeron and and Marshawn both uh, kill penalties and score and goals. They score a lot of shorthanded goals. On the flip side of that, there might be more to be gained here by the Leafs by making their PK dangerous because Bruins have also given up the league worst 14 shorties this year. Interesting. So this could be something worth exploiting. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome, Call Dubas. If you're listening, you can take that, send it to Babs for me. <laughs> Was that a pen dropped? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> a little pen drop, a little jewel drop. When I, like, when I made that whole little connection, I was like, man, look at me. Look at me go. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And you're right. A guy like Kyle Dubas would would appreciate uh, a statistic like that. Well, and here's why here's why I, I think it's a it's a no brainer to do what you to do what you've uh, proposed. What's 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 the negative? What's the negative if you take uh, so who goes out with Mitch on the PK? Well, I was suggesting JT and JT. No, no, no has, but who goes out now? Like as it's we usually speak? it's usually a couple of wingers because they're often they're deploying uh, they're deploying Hyman, Hyman and, Marner, and, Marner okay. and then Kapanen and uh, somebody. Okay. Goat. it's been Goat a lot. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 pretend that we take Hyman away from the first PK unit with Marner and replace him with Tavares. Are we really upset? About that, in terms of oh well, now we're not going to be able to kill the penalty. Well, I don't see the downside. I it's mean, it's only a four. I, I understand you want to keep your offensive guys fresh so they can hit the ice right after. Oh, and I notice point. Babcock's strategy is to throw out Tavares Matthews sometimes right after right the after. PK. But I, I just don't see there uh, much of a downside to this because we also know that JT can kill penalties. He did it for years uh, in in Long Island. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Now th- that that's kind of what I was alluding to. More of the like. Is it really detrimental to lose a certain player off the penalty kill? Yeah. And especially, I think when you're talking about forwards, I don't want to say they're interchangeable. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna put a guy like um, Ilya Kovalchuk out on the penalty kill instead of Kopitar, right? Even though they're both fantastic players, Kopitar clearly is better defensively, and Kovalchuk doesn't even know what his own end looks like. But in this in this sense, I don't know if there's any players on our roster outside of. Nylander, Marlowe, maybe those might be the two guys that I wouldn't want out there killing penalties just mm-hmm. because I don't really see them very much as like defensive minded right, at all. Right. I don't know if you can find any other guys that are a bad option. I mean, mm-hmm. you throw any guy out on the penalty kill at forward. What does he do? Let's go. He stands over you here. You have a pretty and, basic job. Yeah, he, I spent a lot of time doing it. Yeah, and you same have here. A very yeah. basic <laughs> job, right? Yeah. So it's, it, it's. I just don't see the downside to it. I mean, unless you're trying to save his minutes for more offensive opportunities, but I just think it might be you got to exploit every little thing you can. And if by beefing up, beefing up, like, and we've seen some a bit of push from the analytics community on this as well. Um, why not put your best players out there? Because when you turn the puck over, and especially on those teams that use one defenseman yeah. instead of two, all of a sudden you can find yourself on an odd man rush or a rush. Uh, two on one against a guy who doesn't even play defense, or even two on two against a forward and a D man. Right, and you give the puck over to the D man or to the forwards side of the ice. Maybe it's Marner. Well, you're right. I mean, now we're actually in business here. You got to be careful. You can't be taking stupid shots and around she comes. And now we're now we're on our heels. Right. But I think you're right, man. I think the league is definitely evolving. We've we've alluded to this before. The league is evolving to a point where we're talking more about 
not only scoring goals, but maintaining possession of the puck. And in order to score goals, you have to have possession. And even though you're one man short out there on the ice, that doesn't mean that you can't have possession. And we've seen teams rag the puck. We've seen them even throw it back to their goaltender sometimes yeah to maintain just to maintain possession that's right um i'm gonna throw down these uh the five things i mentioned earlier that i think um are very important stats i peeled them out of james myrtle uh james myrtle's article in the athletic almost the myrtle article oh my god you should tweet that he might like that he might like that (laughs) myrtle's Yeah, like but anyway, there was five five stats I pulled out of this um, pulled out of this article there, and these are the things that absolutely can't happen for the Leafs to have a shot at this series. Um, these are kind of the most egregious things that really um, kind of dug the grave for the Leafs last year. All right, uh, number one, Anderson was a point eight nine six in that series last year. Now most of that came from games one, two, and seven where he had his worst showings. Um, if you look at the other games, he was a large part of why we won those games. Right. But that being said, we need a better body of work from Anderson. Number two, the Leafs PK was an abysmal 66.7% in that series. Yikes. Absolutely gross. Uh, again, a lot of that came in games one and two when they took a shitload of penalties and the PK was just egregious. Um, we can't be taking PIMS against them and we just got to kill better going back to our previous conversation. Number three, they were shorthanded 21 times over seven games, and that was six more than the Boston Bruins. If we're going to be putting weight on our special teams, and if you know special teams can often dictate a series, that can't happen. Okay, I understand that the Leafs try to put, play with a bit more of an edge in the playoffs and try to match a bit of that intensity. Um, that's okay, but they can't be taking down penalties along the way. Number four. They finished the series with 47.3 possession. That speaks for itself. Number five, back to Riley Hainsey. They played 34 minutes against Boston's top line in the previous series. Shot attempts while they were on the ice, 47-22 in favor of Boston. And 32% possession. So this can't happen for obvious reasons. And if they try this and the results are going to be the same and if you recall correctly, they only gave up one goal against that line throughout the series, despite those lopsided numbers. But I don't care. We need to look at these numbers, and if Anderson's not going to stand on his head, we have to make changes on the fly. And it might have to be in game one. It might have to go to that Gardner-Dermott pairing I talked about earlier. Um, One of the things that did save them in that last series was Anderson posted a 960 when they were on the ice. In, oh, okay. Uh, uh, when Bergeron's line was up against Riley Hainsey, Anderson had a 960. So they were getting outshot badly, but Anderson was was keeping the pucks out of the net. Now you yeah. might say, you know, the traditionalist or even Mike Babcock might say, well, they didn't score, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you 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 were lucky. R- about Riley it. is not contributing as much as he could be if he's spending all his time without the puck in his own end. Yeah, of course. I mean, it goes without saying, right? But you're right. I mean, too often. Too often you'll just rely on the fact like, well, it didn't go in or, or we ended up winning the game. But yeah. you know, we talk about PDO. We, we had Cody Jacobs on a couple episodes ago, talked about analytics. I mean, these these things are important. I mean, you have to pay attention to them and, you know, you bring up a lot of good points. I think the most important one you bring up there is is the discipline. Um, you know, if we're going to if we're going to elevate our physical play, which is what everybody does come playoffs, um, you have to stay within the lines. 
Um, and, and you know, if you're if you're gonna go overboard, you got to take a guy with you. Yeah, somehow that means you, Naz. Yeah, somehow, some way, you got to take a guy with you. But uh, yeah, we got to stay out of the box. You can't be you can't be letting that first line go back up to the buffet uh, time and time again. On That's the right. Play. And, and I wanted to end this off with a quote from Hainsey. Um, this came from courtesy of Jonas Siegel, but uh, apparently they were asking Hainsey about matching up against the Bergeron line, and he said, "How do you deal with it?" And Hainsey just replied. Keep them the fuck out of our end. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a beaut, eh? The more I hear from Hainsey, the more I love this guy. Like it, You can tell why he's such a well-respected leadership kind of guy around the room. Um, what are you plan? What are you plans for tomorrow anyway, other than just being an absolute maniac? Well, my uh, fiance is going to be returning home from, uh, from school after her final exam, uh, so it'll be an exciting time. She's probably going to get here at like 6, and I'm probably going to be like balls deep into hype videos. Oh, and- yeah. I'm going to be queuing up the hype videos. Like, Shout out to our uh, friend of the show, Laura Duarte, who actually posted a fantastic yes, I did little see hype that. video. Love I did that. See that. And she'll be joining the podcast next week as well. Right on. Actually, yeah, let's talk about next week. So I'm going to be out, um, but I, I imagine we'll just do the same thing that we did when you were out. Yeah, I'll doll you up and bother you while you're yeah. uh, on vacation. Yeah. And then uh, second half, we'll have Laura on and we'll break down the Leafs playoffs. Okay, sweet. So is that our plan then moving forward? And we're uh, we all wrapped up for this week or what? You got it, man. Holy shit. Did we burn one out or what? Yeah, we did. Actually, we went. What are we looking at? 135. Holy shit, eh? So we actually, uh, I thought we got a lot done in that hour 35. For sure. We covered everything. Everything I wanted to. Goddamn everything. Yeah. I was very thorough on my, my note taking and preparation because I was like, there's so much going on and you know just me being me with the fucking cylinders firing into my head yeah, and all yeah. this shit and with the excitement of tomorrow coming up it's really hard for me to concentrate yeah and you want to get it out of the way and and even focus or even look at other series um i, I said it on twitter earlier this week but i i knew that I, just consuming hawking content all week was going to drive me insane yeah just, especially the fucking hot takes on the leafs yeah just drive you right up the wall i was just looking forward to shooting the shit about the playoffs man it's my favorite time of year it is underway right now a minute and a half in to the cbj and tampa bay game right now so let's get the fuck out of here my man i want right. to get over there on the couch what are you saying tomorrow Hyping it up and oh, yeah. getting ready for puck Big drop. time hype videos. Got a few lads coming over. A few beers going to be consumed. And uh, hopefully we're selling the win. Nice. So maybe I'll stop by. Oh, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll come by for the open. I don't know what I'll do. You'll yeah. probably hear us from here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Kirstie is always saying she gets like super stressed out whenever she's with me and I'm watching the game. But the thing is, is I want her to watch the game with me. So I'm like, oh, you got to watch the game. But then she's like, I can't because you stress me out. So <laughs> maybe I'll have to just fuck off, go to your place for a pint and watch a bit of the game. But right on. Anyways, folks, thanks for joining us. It's been another great edition here of the Pucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, signing off for another week. Enjoy the playoffs, and we'll talk to you next week. Go, let's go.